0: Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find Sports Grids Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, hour number two
1: here on the early line. It is The Grid, sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as... Uh, hour one was uh, was great. We had some fun talking about things like uh, some of the headlines from uh, over the weekend. And, uh, you know, I didn't even get a chance. I did tape it, though. Uh, I know they had the horse competition, so I'm not looking because I actually want to watch it. I had a chance I... to uh, to tape it there, so I didn't get a chance to want uh, to dive into it. And don't tell me anything more about I'm t- not going to say. So I've got a DVR. So we'll be able to dive into that. I do know the obviously Thursday is when the finals will be so. I'm trying to, uh, my best there not to, uh, to do anything about it. But we do know, of course, about new plans for baseball. Uh, we learned uh, over the last week. Uh, we do know that the NBA, uh, it really doesn't want general managers are really hoping to be able to push back the draft from June uh, until August because they really do want to have the ability to bring the guys in to do workouts and those types of things, which I – I understand. Listen, they got enough on their table here, the NBA, trying to finish the season or come back, Dane, and and actually crown a champion at some way. So I get it. Uh, We also learned from the NBA, too, and I forgot to mention this last hour, Dane, is that trainers, players, teams saying, we need a month to get back into shape uh, in order to. And, you know, we haven't thought, you know, we said that with baseball, that baseball is going to have at least three weeks of more spring training before they can go and start playing games. You know, it's, we haven't thought about that, but it makes total sense. Like trainers and guys are saying, we can't drop these guys into a court somewhere and be like, That's- here you go. So they're saying a month of warmups and kind of training right. and to be able to get back into shape before they can start playing games. Um, and that just keeps adding to the timeline, Dane, which is not necessarily great for the NBA, but I don't think it's something we've talked about or considered. Yeah. They are going to need some time to get back in shape before they can dive into a playoff structure.
2: Absolutely. We did talk about this with Major League Baseball, but it's it's you know, it's not germane to any one sport. Right. Like these are athletes at a, a world-class level. You can't you know, just drop them in. If you do, imagine the amount of groin pulls, hamstring pulls, these kind of injuries that will absolutely happen if these world-class athletes have, you know, been at home for the last month or two. Now, don't get me wrong. These guys are probably working out, you know, at their home. They all have gyms and courts or whatever it is. But we say it all the time, Joe, there's a difference between being in shape and being in, quote-unquote, game shape, right? And so... I, I completely agree. Whatever sport we're talking about getting in, there's going to need to be some period of time yes. to get them kind of back in game shape so they can hit the ground running. To be quite honest, that's part of why I thought like, the regular season games that are remaining for the NBA need to kind of happen if nothing else to be a kind of de facto preseason to help get people back in
1: shape. Yes, and uh, and it's something to keep in the back of the mind. And obviously, Adam Silver and company realized this. So what they're hoping, and I know Mark Cuban over the last couple of days came back out, and you know he was one of the first guys that's like, ah, give it a couple of weeks, we'll be back." And then all of a sudden, once that reality set into him that it wasn't yeah. happening, he was like, "Oh, I don't know." But yet he's now come back out and said that uh, it, they're hoping and keeping their fingers crossed that June is when they'll be able to get back. So if June they can come back, um, you're talking about June as a warm-up, really, I'm people, or right. totally right. I mean, that's basically whenever they come back, give it that month, guys, because they're going to have to, a lot of these guys, yeah. either who came down with the virus, were sick, took a couple of weeks, so it's going to take a little transition to get back into game shape for sure. Um, so something to keep in mind. Another one of the storylines, too, that uh, we forgot to mention, Dane, in the NFL yeah. uh, is we know that some rule changes going to take center stage here. We know the committee, the uh, competition committee, and uh, was ruled upon about some things. And number one should not come as a surprise. We told you it was um, that experiment about being able to challenge pass interference. Right. Yeah, that was unanimously voted uh, down uh, by the members. So now all the owners have to do is ratify it. That looks like it's uh, it's going away. So thank goodness there, because yeah. that was a nightmare. But the other thing that was interesting, you remember, Dane, where uh, the Patriots against our Jets, where Belichick was using the whole thing about uh, milking more time by uh, penalties on, uh, on on punting and those yeah. type. Remember that, right? And then it, Vrabel outdid Vrabel him. Vrabel crushed him in doing it, of course, uh, in the thing, right? So that wild card win, and uh, Vrabel did it better than, uh, than Belichick did it. That's right. Well, it looks like that is on its way to being closed. Yeah, it <laughs> looks like uh, Belichick might get his way there. Uh, it was fine when Belichick had used it and nobody else knew about it, uh, but once Vrabel implemented it against him, apparently he has been a big push about uh, going ahead and getting that closed. Now... All of these rule changers, you need, I believe, 75% of the league's owners to approve and ratify for it to pass. Um, so, yes, it looks like that. Uh, multiple dead ball fouls while the clock is running. Something that Belichick and Vrabel perfected there last year. They don't want other teams doing it because, let's face it, it was brilliant um, Being it where every second counts. Um, they called it the Bill Belichick rule, which I thought was hysterical because he's the only one who understood it. Um, yes, that'll join the Jesse James rule, the Mel Blount rule. There's right. a whole lot of other rules that uh, basically it looks like the NFL's like, eh, yep. you know, nobody's been better than Belichick of finding the rule book, find obscure utilizing <laughs> it. And then he comes up next year and is like, no, we're going to do away with that rule now. Yeah, because
2: now he's not the only person who understands it and can implement it. It happened in the Super Bowl as yep. well, Joe. Um, as Andy Reid, I think, did it a little bit. And, you know, I remember this is the competition committee, okay, people? And the NFL has this in place every year where teams can put out proposals and the competition committee votes on them. You talk about how the Patriots kind of get ahead of the curve, and then when everybody finds out, I'm reminded, Joe, remember that it was a playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens when they were doing this, like, unbalanced line thing. And, uh, you know, Paul didn't know how to defend it, brought it to the league, and then that loop was also closed. When you talk about the pass interference, I'm with you. We said it the whole time. You know, the idea that, okay, we like the fact that they may experiment and try this, but I thought it really opened up Pandora's box. I thought it was very hard for the referees to ever be on the right side of it because what was really the definition of it and could they apply it consistently? And what I thought was really the nail in the proverbial coffin of this was when coaches were starting to use challenges not only to be like nah that wasn't pass interference but to be like no 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 that was pass interference please give me a penalty because of this or that was offensive pass interference and i don't think that was the true spirit of the rule to react to what happened in the nfc championship game the previous year so listen they're gonna miss some calls but I'd rather it just be like, hey, they missed it, as opposed to this weird element of the game yep. that then got manipulated by other coaches. And exactly. Challenges. So yep. I'm with you. And, yep, the competition committee, this is what they do every year. And uh, I'm glad that some of these loopholes were closed.
1: Uh, and I love the fact there were two um, that we'll talk about quick here, that uh, the Eagles, Ravens, Dolphins uh, actually went ahead and proposed. And there are. The proposals have to do with um, something, I don't blame it. has been awkward ever since, but the overtime rule, number one, the wow. ability to, uh, and I believe this was uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia proposed that um, changing the clock from 10 minutes in overtime to 15 minutes, okay. uh, to extending the overtime period, so this way it kind of, minimizes that ties. yeah Maybe yeah ties. it'll break the ties it'll give them an opportunity obviously to be able to um you know minimize the impact of, of losing the coin toss and those types of things where you know an extra five minutes gives them an, more of a level playing ground especially if you lose it and don't get it the first time i get that um which is it makes sense that's fine the, the other one of course is the opportunity instead of an onside kick the opportunity like fourth
2: and fifteen or something.
1: Yeah, well they want to do where the team that is trailing would have one opportunity to gain fifteen yards from their own twenty five yard line right. in order to receive a new set of downs. So instead of lining up for the kick, yep. you put it at the uh you know, you got it at the twenty five yard line of yep. the other people. If they gain fifteen yards on that play, boom, they get to continue instead of the normal onside kick. I do think that's a rule that's coming at some point. I, I do think they're gonna try to minimize the yeah. onside kick. Uh, impact at at all costs, but I do think cause they've almost made it impossible now exactly. with how far they've got it. So yes. I don't mind giving the, uh, you know, giving offenses one shot at 15 yards, which ain't easy, uh, in the NFL in order to be able to get the ball back.
2: I actually like this one a lot, mm-hmm. Joe. Okay, and listen, what do we do here, Joe? We talk numbers, we talk value, uh, we all talk right. percentages, right? And so here's – this to me is the NFL – being data-driven right. to make their game right. So because of player safety, and we know that they had to change the kickoffs, okay? One of the rules they made in their rule changes for the kickoffs was the idea that the gunners, right, the kickoff team can't run, run up to the kick uh, when the kicker is going to kick it. So what that does is it changes the proposition of the onside kick. Right. When the players have to kind of start from a flat-footed stop it changed the onside kick from being successful. What was around Joe, uh, around 15% of the time, it was successful. Right. But now, with the new rule that they had to start flat-footed, it literally became something like a three or four percent chance yes. that the team would recover the onside kick. Yep. And they realized, oh, that was an unintended consequence yep. that warped, you know, like um, the ethics of the game, right? The competitive balance of the game. So yep. what they had to do was figure out. They wanted an onside kick to, in essence, be, call it a 15% proposition. Right, right. And they saw, we run stats on this all the time. They know, you hear it all the time, Joe, like, oh, it's 3rd and 11, they convert this 20% of the time. It's 3rd and 2, they convert this, this percent of the time. So some very smart, data-driven people in there were like, ah, we want something that is a 15% success rate, because that's what the onside kick should be, right? And so... Somewhere, they landed on the data saying 4th and 15 is a 15% chance of being converted in the NFL. Voila! There you have it. It is no longer a special teams play. And remember, you kick off from the 30, Mm -hmm. and there was that rule that it had to go 10 yards, right? So people would be recovering the onside kick beyond the forty. So that's why they put it at the 25-yard line. They know 4th and 15 is about a 15% proposition. Maybe I have it wrong, and it's 10%, 20%, whatever it is. They want it to be consistent with the success rate of the old onside kick. And if it had to go 10 yards to get beyond the 40, then you set it at the 25, 4th and 15. If they convert, they're beyond their own 40 and keep the drive going. I actually really, really like this because they did it in a data-driven way because they wanted to maintain the success rate of this part of the game.
1: Love it, I'm with you. I I think it makes a lot of sense. It's the next evolution in the game. I don't think players will have a problem with it. Um, And it really, it it kind of gives us the fundamental part of the game where, all right, defense, step up. You know what I mean? It's time to step up here. So, and it's, you know, on an on-site, you're not giving them an extra down. You're basically saying, all right, What's harder to do? I mean, get, complete you a 15 perfect. yard. I mean, that's
2: right. If you fail, the, if you fail on fourth and 15 and get, you know, 12 yards, you're there,
1: giving them on the ball in yeah. a 25 yard line or whatever. Right. Maybe so that
2: thing as like an, uh, an onside kick that the receiving team recovers or I love it. Ten yards, it winds up being the same yep. thing in the game
1: flow. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, all right guys, let's talk a little bit, um, here. And again, those rule changes, 75% of the owners have to ratify it in order for it to be able to pass so we'll see what happens there but i do think the belichick rule is and the pass interference rule you can pretty much say goodbye uh to those and hope they implement something else here with the overtime i love the five minutes there and i also love the uh the alternate to the onside kick um the other thing that we talked about of course uh we'll we'll really start diving into here guys is some of the uh, latest numbers Uh, From the sports books and our friends at uh, FanDuel there have uh, certainly been on top of a lot of what is going to happen here in the draft. And it is our first biggest real opportunity to dive back into the uh, betting arena uh, for the draft, and we're all excited about that. And like we had mentioned uh, last hour, this draft is all going to be about Tua. Where does he fall? Who goes to get him? Does he drop further enough to where a team goes, all right, he's here, I'll take him? Maybe there isn't a lot of fireworks. Uh, maybe, uh, and it's so funny, Dane, the the little fireworks that we've had with, um, you know, of course, number one and number two, Washington and Cincinnati. Uh, and I know there's craziness with the, you know, it would be great. And, you know, Washington should. Washington is not taking a quarterback when they no. got an opportunity to get a, you know, a 10-year <laughs> chase young you're not especially with ron rivera it's not going to happen guys um and also detroit he is detroit is not going to replace matt stafford matt patricia who's already on the hot seat is not going to uh fundamentally say you know what matt i got to get your i may not be here what the hell are you talking about they're going to go get the best defensive player on the board at that time whether it be, um, you know, whether it be the, Simmons, Acuda. right, Akuda or whether it be Simeon, whoever it is, that's who Detroit is going to get. Agreed. Unless they are given a end-all, be-all uh, kind of thing, Dane, where it's like, I'm just going to give you everything. I, I need and the third pick. Refuse. And that, yeah. to me, I think is really the question. And it all centers around one player. It's oh, two of So uh, we told you, of course, Mike Lombardi, we, we talked about how is the risk versus the reward with these general managers, the feeling around football guys is that he's not worth the risk. Not in that capacity. You get him at 23, be my guest. You know what I mean? Give me a guess. But everything has a cost here, Dane. And I find it fascinating, some of these quarterback props, uh, some of these prop uh, uh, bets, we talked about this a month ago. It was two and a half. Yep. Where is that bet right now? So there has been some
2: movement, Joe, and the prop bet for Tua right now is not two and a half, which is, in essence, will he be in the first two picks? Right. It's now three and a half. So it's been pushed back. Will he be in the first three picks? And what this could mean is a number of things, Joe, and I know we'll dive a little bit more into this on the other side of the break. But what it could also mean, Joe, is that the news is that Washington ain't moving that pick. You know what I mean? Because if we all knew that this was going to be someone trading up to go get Tua. That's You're correct. not trading up for an offensive lineman. You're not trading up for a corner or a linebacker, regardless yep. of how much of a stud they may be. So this was really like, would Washington trade out? And now at three and a half, I think the question really is, will Detroit trade yep. out? You know, And maybe with some of the the risk we're hearing about, maybe some of the lack of risk with someone like Chase Young that we're hearing about. This, to me, now, with the prop bet for Tua Tagovailoa being 3.5, I think this is, in essence, a prop bet. Will the Detroit uh, Lions move pick number three? And I know we'll get into it, um, what the over-unders on prop bets actually mean. Yep. And not only Tua, but if you look at the Tua market, You got to look at the Justin Herbert
0: market, the Jordan Love market, the Jalen Hurts market, and we'll do all those on the other side. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice
1: All right, guys, welcome back in here to the early line. It is The Grid, sportsgrid.com. He is Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri, and thank you guys for dropping by. As we are getting excited here a little bit because uh, our first opportunity, really, Dane, to dive into the, yeah. uh, the world of, uh, of and one of our favorites, uh, betting uh, here on uh, the early line. And we finally are going to have that opportunity, Dane, when it comes to the draft. And the NFL draft is uh, coming up. It's fast approaching. And, of course, uh, Tua is the big question mark in everybody's mind. Uh, Lee Steinberg and Tua have been doing a great job of uh, spinning the PR, the media, loving Tua, telling everyone how crazy they would be not to. And yet there's a, uh, there are some, uh, some reports that the NFL teams who are in a position to take him early or right. would want him or need him, Right, I need a quarterback, um, that they're not told that the risk is worth the reward. Uh, they're just not. And so that brings it up. Fascinating from a betting perspective, certainly with now that number moving from two and a half to three, that went from somebody moving up to Washington right, to now somebody moving up and willing to take Detroit's spot. Now, both Washington and Detroit, to their credit, have said, we're open for business. If you want the pick, come in and get it, which is fascinating. And, I know, and that, to me, is very prudent of them because you don't know how much a team is willing to give you. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that Washington was involved in a fleecing of uh, draft picks and everything else uh, to, in order to move up to get a quarterback, RG3. Uh, you just don't know. So I agree. I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I do agree that uh, the reality is you've got to leave the door open and say, call me, let me hear what you got to say. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins at five, we know need a quarterback. Number six, the Chargers. We know sure. they need a quarterback. So the big question, Dane, from the two-a-prop now of three-and-a-half is, let's say the over hits, right? I think we're both on the over aspect here that I don't think it's Anybody is going to move later, up and get him. Which would be after the third pick. After the third pick. So anywhere from four or five, said, the Giants ain't going. Right? the Giants ain't going. And I got news for you. If teams aren't willing to go up to Detroit or Washington to get them, they ain't going to be willing to go up to the Giants and get them either. And I don't think the Giants are even remotely. Giants are going to go offensive line. As sure as I'm sitting here, they're going, they better go offensive line. But the Dolphins are the most intriguing from the standpoint Dane, that they've got 5 18 and 26. They've yep. also got 39 and 56 overall. That's five picks in the first two rounds, hmm. all right, that they've got to be able to play with here, which is fascinating. If, and I say if, he drops the number five. Sure. And there's the Dolphins sitting there. I don't think that alleviates any of the stress for Chris Greer, the general manager, still. With the amount of players that you need in this rebuild and the kinds of players you can get at that particular number five spot, Dane, and and the same goes for the Chargers as far as I'm concerned. If you take Tua and it doesn't work out over the next couple of years, you're out of a job. Period. You're out of a job. Um, And you're out of a job not because, because other teams, A, weren't willing to go up and get him at that price, and all of a sudden, even though he fell to you, Not necessarily a gift, given the other talent that is available that is considered universally a much safer bet. And if I'm a Chris Greer, first-year general manager kind of thing, or if I'm you know the Chargers going, listen, we got a quarterback right now that can certainly fill the gap for what we want to do. Is it worth it, Dane, if he falls to five or six? Is he worth it?
2: Well, here's the thing, right? At the level of three or four, what we're talking about is, is he worth 18 trading up?
1: to do it, right? That's
2: one calculation. What what you're talking about now with the Dolphins and the Chargers, it's still a calculation, because are you still willing to use kind of an elite-level pick on him, whether you're trading up for it or not? And I think that's interesting. One other note on the two, a prop bet, Joe, at three and a half right now, to go over three and a half, right, which is later, right. that's, that's minus 195, Joe, Wow. all right? And so I would say we may be on the precipice of this number even falling to four and a half. Wow.
1: You know what I mean? They yep. may have
2: to move it even more. Right now, the earlier, you know, in essence, the first three picks, that's up to plus 150, Joe. So I don't think they're going to have too much more juice change on this yep. before they actually move to four and a half, okay? And that would put, I guess, the trading with the New York Giants. Yep in play. But, you know, the other thing you talk about here, right, because we're talking, we've talked to a few people, you've started to get buzz on Tua vis-a-vis Justin Herbert. Yes. And they actually now have that prop bet up, okay? It used to be Herbert versus Jordan Love. Right. Now it's Herbert versus Tua Tagovailoa, and right. I find that being very interesting, and all the more evidence to kind of the changing narrative on Tua and Herbert. But I bring this up, Joe, because Herbert also has a prop bet number, right? Go ahead. And his is, is five and a half, right between the Dolphins and the Chargers, right? Yep. So what I think this means is kind of a, a dual level of uh, consideration here. A, just like what we're saying with Tua, will a team trade up, like, to probably the Detroit or the Giants spot to go ahead and select Tua? That's one thing that can kind of change the market which would make me think Herbert would be taken in the first 5 picks because if the Dolphins are standing there at 5 and Tua is off the board already then I do think they pull the trigger mm-hmm. on Justin Herbert. The other thing you have to consider in this handicap, Joe, right is might the Dolphins prefer Herbert to Tua because they're at number 5, let's say these trade that we think teams are open for business if it doesn't go down Then it's the Dolphins sitting there at five, potentially with Tua and Herbert still on the board. And would they actually select Herbert over Tua? So I ask you, Joe, because there's plus money right now on the Herbert um, under five and a half being in the first five picks. That's plus 125. What are you hearing down there in Miami? I've started to hear some buzz that maybe some people do favor Herbert Mm -hmm. over Tua, and that would make me want to hit this at plus money, the Herbert bet, first five picks.
1: It's funny. There is a lot of Herbert coming out of Dolphins' camp. It's, It's very interesting here. We know for two years the Dolphins, certainly Dolphin fans, have been waiting for Tua, been waiting for this draft. The whole tanking last year, the only reason that fans were even tolerant of it, Dane, was because they wanted Tua. Then they end up winning games, and everyone's like, oh, well, all right, you're at five, but you can still do it. Uh, They want Tua, but I don't know how much Herbert Love is real. I do know it's coming out, and I think it's kind of an interesting ploy because the more you make it seem like you don't want Tua, uh, right. The more that you like Herber, uh, Herbert, the less likely it is for teams to be able to want to jump over you if they're right. convinced that right. you, of course, are going to uh, uh, go Herbert. And if that's the case, and is the guy, not Herbert, if Herbert falls to somebody, they're going to get drafted. And I do think, uh, I don't know that the, and, and this is all going to land with the Dolphins. If the that, Dolphins are given smokescreen, letting everyone think they want Herbert, when the reality is they want Tua, go. The Chargers are going to be less likely if they think the Dolphins are going for two or, uh, for Herbert to get him. They're not going to go but ahead and try to move up and get it. So it's an be interesting... Whatever falls their way. Exactly. It's a cat and mouse game because cat. if I'm the Chargers and think Herbert's going to the Dolphins, there ain't nobody jumping... Up. I don't need to. Right. Don't need it's to. Cold. I can just sit right here.
2: It's in essence a Cold War, an arms race. It seriously is between you
1: know? 5 and 6. That's exactly, exactly what it is. And here's yep. the other thing. I, yep. I mean... Talk
2: about movement, though, Joe, all right? There is a prop bet on FanDuel right now. Who will be drafted first? Tua Tagovailoa Mm -hmm. or Justin Herbert? Wow. Okay? Now, Joe, there has been dramatic movement in this. Yes. Dramatic, Joe. Uh, When this prop bet came out on FanDuel, the Herbert side Mm -hmm. was plus 250. Okay. Joe, the Justin Herbert side of this prop bet now, is plus 145. Wow. That is huge movement, in my opinion, on this just straight-up match bet. And, and you know, you're plugged in down there more than anybody. This seems to me that there's reason for them to move this number enough to reduce that liability if Herbert got picked ahead of Tua. It, this movement seems to me to say that that is a real possibility,
1: Joe. Would you take it at plus 145? It's the old school reporters down here, right? The guys Uh, that follow uh, Miami, they're convinced uh, they don't like Tua. And they are, but their rule of thumb is they don't think Miami likes Tua, I mean, uh, Herbert at all. So a lot of the Herbert buzz that we're hearing is coming from a different set of reporters.
2: And you know what else is interesting, Joe? We had Joe Lisi on um, late last week. And he said, we also have to remember, Joe, the Miami Dolphins have picked 18 from the Minka Fitzpatrick deal. Yep. They have picked 26 from Houston, from the Stills and the Tunzel deals. Nice. Okay, so remember, and this happens every year, Joe. Okay, they're like four guys. Yep. I don't necessarily think it's the case, but what if they think Jacob Eason belongs in the same category as these guys. Mm -hmm. What if they think love is just as good as Tua or Herbert? What if they secretly, you know, think uh, Jake Fromm belongs in that category? Then they don't got to do Jack at number five, right? right? Then they can wait and at number 15 or number uh, 18, take kind of the calculated risk in the same way that the Chargers, if they're fine with Tua or Herbert, falling to them at six. Yep. Maybe the Dolphins, if they like a Fromm, if they mm-hmm. like an Eason, if they like a Love, maybe they're comfortable with taking the risk that at 18, one of those guys will still be there, and they can go ahead and get an O-lineman at five, get Simmons at five, yep. a Kuda at five, five. Yep. and roll the dice that a guy that they truly do like, call it Love, call it Eason, call it from would be standing there waiting
1: for them at pick 18 or 26. Yeah. I agree, Uh, and that is, to me, I think that's the million-dollar question because they're not under any obligation to have to take a quarterback at five. Given their assets and what they have from a maneuverability standpoint is they, if they love love, right? If they like him, they have enough firepower to be able to move up for that next pick in the first round and get him. Now, it's interesting, what is love's? That's where i was going
2: to go. That's exactly what is
1: I'm, it? Because okay. I, I got to tell you, to so, me, if he doesn't go top 15, all right, if he doesn't, go, and I don't know where that number is, I'm just gonna say, going to say, let's say it's 15. Uh, if, I if, if he does not go 15, then I do think the Dolphins at number 18 have an ability to move up all a couple right. of spots and be able to get him if that's who they love. This is all contingent upon them not loving Tua and not being Correct. sold. Correct. But if they <laughs> like, love over Tua and say you know what love i can stash him That's put him right. behind uh Fitz magic here for another That's year right. and work him out then win win because if you can get somebody like simmons or you can go out and get that stud offensive like somebody that you want there and don't forget defensive minded head coach guys sure. defensive minded head coach um i gotta tell you here there is a you know you you give a somebody and put him in the back with what you got already with jones <laughs> And, I mean, dude, you that's how you build a defense. So, exactly. I, I think that there is, that is. very interesting, Joe. The
2: number on Jordan Love speaks to that, okay? Okay. So what I'll also say about this is the other part of the calculation, Joe, is if you pass on the quarterback at five, right. right, it's supply and demand. Then there's still two quarterbacks out there that other teams can take for you to still have Love as an option, right? Correct. Let's say, uh, you know, Tampa then is in the mix, or whoever else kind of between 5 and 18, you know, there's like two whammies instead of three, you know, kind of thing. But the Jordan Love uh, prop bet right now, Joe, it speaks to this. Go ahead. The pick for Jordan Love, Joe, is 19 and a half. Wow, really? That would cover the Dolphins, right? That would cover the Dolphins. And then, you know who has pick 19 in the draft, Joe? Who's that? It's a team that has multiple picks. The Las Vegas Raiders have pick number 19. And we've talked about their quarterback situation as well with Carr and with Mariota. Might they be up there also a team that has multiple picks in that round, has some maneuverability. So could 19 be anything from the Raiders wanting to make a pick or a team that still sees Jordan Love on the board at number 19. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, wait, let me trade up to that spot right now and draft him. Jordan Love, the over-under, is 19 and a half. And I think that's a very interesting part of the conversation we're having right now.
1: It's got to be. And uh, then you're looking at anything being possible because the teams, even after the Raiders, uh, one of them includes the Patriots and That's, you've yeah, got, all
2: that draft capital.
1: Right. And now if you're going to go over 19 and a half, then that next wave, Dane, 20, 21, 22, 23, all of those up there, who would be willing uh to go get Bryce Love? Now, this is all assuming again the media has sold us on the ceiling of sure. love being all of this. Yeah, I don't oh, know that the head coaches in the NFL buy that. I know the media has been pushing that theme and we talked about a little bit how ridiculous it is. Like, somehow or another, Herbert doesn't have a ceiling. You know, he is what he is from Oregon. But all of a sudden now, Bryce Love from Utah State is like the ceiling. So I find the narrative interesting. That number would be, I would have thought it was 15 and a half, but it's 19 and a half. Um, which means the Dolphins could theoretically. At pick 18 or live. Are live to take him, if that's who they want. And um, I think that's a very, very interesting scenario, which again is why the entire draft is contingent upon where does Tua go? I don't happen to think he goes in the top three. Absolutely. I don't think anybody's moving up and risking it. We talked about also, Dane, who is that one player that unfortunately because of this uh, shutdown right now going to drop? There's always one or two a year in the first round that you go, wow, I can't believe he went all the way down there. Absolutely. That could be Tua, guys. I, I hate to bring it to you. That could very well are, be Tua.
2: There are mock drafts out mm-hmm. there that now have Tua starting to fall out of the top 10. It's all about this media narrative, Joe. I want to tell you some, uh, two other things. I know we only got a minute or two before the break. Yeah, I got but a minute. Fine, you know, we talk about these comprehensive bets. There are two other bets that they're given numbers on that I think are pieces of information you need to know about right. this Jordan Love. We'll do this on the other side of the break. But there are two other bets there hanging, you know, put the pieces all together for this draft
1: market for the
2: quarterback position. It's very interesting, Joe.
1: I think it's going to be fascinating. I think the wide receivers, uh, first ones off the board, are going to be fascinating. I think even the offensive tackles, these offensive linemen that they're talking oh, they about, the, the big four, I think that's fascinating because there's a lot of people talking about they're good. They're not, eh, they're, you know, so it's it's interesting to see. Um, I think the class is clearly a cut above some of the past classes, but we'll dive into these numbers. We'll do that coming up next year on The Grid. It is sportsgrid.com.
0: DailyRoto.com.
1: guys, welcome back in here to The Early Line on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. He's Dane Martinez, I'm Joe Ranieri As we've been diving into the if, ands, or buts here about the, uh, about the draft coming up, which I think is uh, very fascinating uh, from the fact that what we have learned up to this particular point, Dane, has been there are uh, um, a number of members of the media and around that are trying to convince us how healthy that Tua is. I do think that Lee Steinberg is uh, doing exactly what he needs to be doing for his client, which is getting uh, everyone to believe or at least feel that he is ready to go. He is healthy. He's everything that you thought he would be. And the only problem with that, of course, Dane, is the fact that um, when you're doing that, part of that equation is why are you trying so hard? And uh, why are you trying so hard to let everyone know that yeah, you're ready to go. And obviously, uh, looking at the board there and looking at the books, and it's obvious that his numbers are dropping because there are there is a feeling that, including from Miami Dolphins camp, I don't know if it's misdirection or not, but we're hearing a lot of Herbert talk. There's uh, other teams going, it's not worth it. Some teams have even, you know, we're hearing are going, he's not even on the board. I mean, could we use a quarterback? Yeah, but it's not worth the risk because of the lack of quality competition, again, most of his career was played against Sam Houston States and didn't play fourth quarters, that there just isn't enough body of work, healthy body of work, to showcase the idea that I'd be willing to give up the farm in order to move up and get him, or risk a general manager's uh, position where if he is not working out in the top three years uh, of after you draft him, then you're screwed. I mean, you're basically done at that point, and I think GMs know that. Uh, so the big question then is we've talked about Herbert. We've talked about Tua. Now, love is a fascinating thing because he is also, Dane, the number – and let's, let's move back here just a little because I don't think we got it. The total number of quarterbacks in the first round. Yeah, there this we is, go. This is something we've talked about a lot here yeah. over the last couple of weeks. So where are we with that number first?
2: And that's part of what I wanted to talk about right here, mm-hmm. Joe. Uh, the 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 total is four and a half. Okay. Okay. So that assumes four quarterbacks in the first round. Okay. We know Burrow is one of them because we mm-hmm. haven't talked about him much, right? But it is kind of, you know, connect the dots. He'll be one of them, right. like number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's okay. why there's no prop bet on his draft position and things of that nature. We haven't yes. talked about that for Burrow. The others are... You know, Tua, Mm -hmm. there's Herbert, and then there's Jordan Love. Okay, Mm -hmm. and Jordan Love is the other one we're talking about. I find it very interesting, Joe, that Jordan Love's draft position is number 19 or 19 and a half, when at 18 is the Miami Dolphins with their second pick, and at 19, is the Vegas Raiders, right? And that's another team we have discussed, Joe, that may be in flux a little bit at the quarterback position. We don't know if Gruden really is hot to trot on Carr anymore. They certainly brought in Mariota. Does that preclude them from spending a pick early on on a a quarterback? I don't think so. It's also an interesting spot because the Raiders can trade, right? And so maybe that's a target pick for someone who wants to move up, seize the opportunity, to draft Jordan Love, his pick is at 19 and a half. The other part about this, um, compared with the four and a half quarterbacks, Joe, is if you consider Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and Love, that's four of them, right? Right. The next one's, you know, prop bet on their draft position is far behind number 32, Joe. Okay. You know, so like Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, and Jalen Hurts. Okay. Those are the other ones. Eason's prop bet number is pick 47 and a half. That's the middle of the second round. Wow. Jake Fromm's is 58 and a half. That's the back end of the second round. Wow. Jalen Hurts is 62 and a half, which is, in essence, the end of the second round. So what does it say to you, Joe, when in one market, you know, they got the four and a half, but looking at these prop bets for guys like Eason, Fromm, and Hurts, being later in the second round, that makes me want to say under four and a half quarterbacks will be taken, even if love is the apple of someone's eye, whether that's, you know, the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Patriots or another team, right. That still only gets me to four. And when I look at this prop bet market, it doesn't look like the FanDuel at least thinks guys like Eason or Fromm will be first-round picks.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and I tend to believe, I tend to agree with them. But my question is, though, and, and I got to tell you, the 19-and-a-half the number for love confuses yeah. me because maybe, just maybe, um, a lot of hype, not a lot of substance there, Dave. There is, to me, okay. a very good possibility, given the, how, how many receivers and, and defensive players we've got in right. this draft, just from Clemson and, and LSU alone, okay. guys. Um, I don't know if Love is a first round worth a first round. I mean, listen, if you take a shot on Love, you take him in the second round, then that clears the way for, hey, listen, we don't know. He's a backup anyway. I mean, most right. of these teams realize that whoever you're taking in the first round, you're going to need them to be able to start this year. They're
2: slotted at that money, too, right? The contract as a first right.
1: round Right, right, right. I mean, unless you start getting to that lower like 30, 31, but then you're talking about the 49ers and you're talking about uh, Kansas City, they're not right. going to have a quarterback. So that means, to me, I find it fascinating. That number at 19 and a half, I think screams, get ready for the second round, guys. Um, that, that very well could be second round as well as Eason and Fromm. Second and third round draft picks, taking a flyer on some quarterbacks that you're not really sold on, you don't know, might have some upside. I do think the fourth quarterback to go will be him. I just don't know if that's going to happen in the first round. I really don't.
2: Yeah, I think that is the kind of interesting thing, and that's where the line would be. With this over-under four-and-a-half quarterbacks, though, Joe, Like, if you don't even think Love is a first-round talent, then by your calculus, you're only coming up with three in the first round. And then if the total is four-and-a-half, that's within the margin of error for you, right? Maybe you want to click submit. Another thing that I think is interesting, Joe, and we'll dig into these a little bit later on in the week, I know, but not only are they talking about, you know, prop bets for these quarterbacks, but you know, there's hanging future markets for some of these teams like where will Cam Newton wind up? Where right. will James Winston wind up? And then they've also um put a few more futures bets that I think are fascinating to have as part of this conversation. You know, like who will the pack starting quarterback be in week 1? Right. The same kind of thing for the Dolphins, Joe, and for the Raiders. The Dolphins and Raiders are two other teams that FanDuel is doing kind of futures markets on their starting quarterback at the beginning of the season. So, for example, Joe, the Dolphins, right? Fitzpatrick is actually the favorite at minus 210, and I think that makes sense, because even if they do draft a kid by week one, you know, it's still maybe Fitzpatrick before he kind of hands the baton over. But then you got Tua at plus 270. Herbert is 5-1, to Joe, in case they like, you know, Herbert. But then there's a long way until you even get to someone like Jordan Love. Yes. Okay? And then, you know, with the Dolphins, they consider guys like Cam Newton, guys like Jameis Winston, guys like Andy Dalton before you get to Jordan Love. But what's interesting to me, the number for Love is 19 and a half. Pick 19 is the Vegas Raiders. Yes. Joe, there is a market on the Raiders' starting quarterback on week one. Derek Carr is the favorite. Mariota's there at 5-1, to which is intriguing to me. The only other name on the board, Joe, okay, is Jordan Love. Mm. So that would speak to maybe the Raiders do want to spend that pick there, as opposed to, for example, Joe, them hanging a number on Eason or Fromm, one of these second round picks yep. that you're talking about. It does seem, you know, if, as I read the tea leaves, it seems that maybe the Raiders going Love is a live option.
1: Yeah, and, um, but again, given the wealth of it, and it's interesting because both the Patriots and the Raiders certainly have a lot of draft capital, and um, we, know, we know Belichick uh, with that draft capital. Uh, we know how good he is in the later rounds finding talent um, at, a, at a ridiculous cost, uh, but we do also need that besides quarterback, they need a wide receiver. They need a stud wide receiver, right? They need somebody to be able to come in there. That, especially if Stidham is going to be the guy, um, and there's no reason, guys, really, to think that he's not the guy for the Patriots right now. Uh, we have seen this train before with them, and the I do think I don't know what the odds are to start the season, <laughs> Patriots. To me, it's Stidham. Stidham. Is minus 350.
2: Stidham is minus 350,
1: and that tells you everything Stidham you need Patriots
2: to know. starting Quarterback Brian Hoyer, the yep. second choice, at three to one. Yep. Then we get into
1: the names we've talked about. Belichick before. is not going to take a shot with a first-round draft pick on a quarterback that Another is thing. not – he's just not – Belichick is not a guy that has ever put a whole lot of stock into, um, you know, star quarterbacks. Okay. I mean, he's had one, but early on it was – never one who asked him to draft. do anything. He built a team around him those first three Super Bowls and said, don't throw interceptions be on right. target, and don't take the sack. I mean, that's really – it doesn't have to be. So for him to waste the number one pick, and that's with hilarious. all the capital he have got, listen, he can go up and get whatever wide receiver he wants, I think, at 23. Maybe the kid uh, – what was it, Jefferson? Justin yeah. Jefferson, LSU. Like, you need that kind of presence in New England. I agree. That though. should be the number one pick, not the quarterback and Bryce Love. I think that's all smoke.
2: Yeah, and here's the thing, Joe. The market's – um augment that exact point. point first of all bill belichick is not trading up no to get this okay and that's what you would have to do if you want to play in the jordan love sweepstakes at number 23 i believe yep. the patriots are yes love ain't gonna be still on the board you know his total his draft pick total prop suggests that you know and, and here's the other thing yes they like stidham if you go into the patriots starting quarterback market stidham is the favorite then hoyer Then it's all these veteran free agents, Joe. Then it's Newton. Then it's Dalton. Then it's Winston as the choices. And then even then, the pick after that are Eason and Fromm, which is a later round pick. You know what I mean? To be quite honest, Joe, I've I've been doing a little bit of looking into the Patriots. You talk wide receiver. I think that's an option. Another option, as I see it for them at that pick, listen, we all know they lost Tom Brady in free agency. Joe, they also lost Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins, okay? So, to me, the idea of linebacker could also be a team need for them. Remember, this was a defense that was, like, not allowing an offensive touchdown right. for the first month and a half of the season. If you're going to kind of reset the deck on offense, maybe you look for a shiny new toy on the defensive side of the ball as well. There are some linebackers yep. in that level. Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, uh, Yachter Matos from Penn State. Yep. So, I hear you. Wide receiver could be, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go with a new shiny toy on the defensive side of the ball either, especially given they lost Van Noy and Jamie Collins. in yep.
1: uh, There are definitely, and again, the whole thing with the Patriots, and I think we'll know it uh, in the first round, is if they do use some of those assets and they got a ton of compensatory guys, they got, somebody, sure. they got ridiculous amounts of picks as well. Yeah they will use it to go up and, uh, and get somebody that they like really much and not allow them to fall anywhere on the board outside of them. And I do think the wide receiver spot with a rookie quarterback is certainly something they're going to look at. But, you, listen, wide receivers are going to be a huge run on the board. There's a ton of them. And, you know, the, just giving you the top three guys, when you have what? Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs, right? right, you got those three guys. There are a lot of mock drafts that think the run starts with the Jets at eleven. Right. It continues to uh the Raiders at twelve. And it continues to the 49ers and 12. So uh, at 13. So 11, 12, and 13. I, you know, put them any which way you want. There is a uh, all three of those teams could certainly use number Raiders haven't had a number one since they try uh, since they sent away um, you know Amari Cooper. So if you, I don't care who the quarterback is, you're going to need somebody they can call a number one there. And we all know the 49ers. I mean, they rotate in running backs, but they don't really have a true number one wide well, receiver. It's Been exactly. their problem.
2: Exactly. Remember, San Francisco had Emmanuel Sanders. Let him go to New Orleans. In right. Free but he was
1: not a number one. Even yeah, then, he no, wasn't I, a number one.
2: I agree with you. I do think the 49ers scheme is such that they kind of are the greater than the sum of their parts. But I, I'm with you. They are definitely in the wide receiver market. Joe, you talk about the Raiders. Remember, they tried the Antonio Brown mm-hmm. fans. Right. People like Odell Beckham have been connected mm-hmm. to them. But, yes, I agree with you. Remember, they do have Terrell Williams, who they yes. also signed in the offseason last year. But he's a he's a second wide receiver. He's not that stud. That's what right? I
1: mean. You need so, that stud.
2: So, And I know we're going to finish up here, but what you're talking about is suggested in the prop market and in the in the draft as right. well, Joe. Okay, I talked about four-and-a-half quarterbacks. Right. The, the number for wide receivers in the first round is six-and-a-half, okay? Wow. So that's how deep this position is. I've seen Philadelphia connected to yes. a wide receiver in the first round as well. But then I look at who might these people be, mm-hmm. you know, in the wide receiver market, right? So, and it's all right there, just like you're saying, okay? And this will kind of tie a little bow on this. I know we're going to get into the futures on other quarterbacks and team right. starters later in the week, but Judy... It's 12-and-a-half, Joe. All right? So that might be
1: the Jets at 11. I think that's the run, right? I mean, I think that's what... And that's the
2: thing. And this is suggested. Judy's 12-and-a-half. Lamb, also 12-and-a-half. Yeah. Bugs 13-and-a-half. That's the area right there. That run, we're talking Jets, we're talking Raiders, we're talking Niners. I believe Denver, even at 16, has been connected to wideouts. Then you talk about Justin Jefferson, who a lot of people, the kid out of LSU, who a lot of people believe would be that next, wide receiver his number is 21 what do you know right around where the Philadelphia Eagles are. Yep.
1: absolutely I, I do think that your two out of the first three are going to be defensive guys I think they're both going to be linebackers I think Chase Young I think Isaiah Simmons I think they go two and three Ron think, Rivera and of course uh, you know dealing sure. with uh, Matt Patricia who is hot yeah. those kinds of players they it, they're not going to pass it up so to me that's where they go. I think Giants, without a doubt, offensive linemen. I'm just going to go under the assumption that the Dolphins and the uh, Chargers go yep. quarterback. All right? So now we've got three quarterbacks, and we've got basically one offensive lineman, two defensive players. That means that next round, uh, when you're looking at um, uh, Carolina, Arizona, nice. Jacksonville, um, outside uh, Carolina going go d- to go, yeah, go defense. They're going to go defense. That's the um, line run. Yes. yeah. I was going to
2: Cleveland at 10. That's where yeah. these guys. Cleveland's like, going
1: to go offense, uh, especially offensive line, because we've yeah. only yeah. had one. in Wills right. work. Absolutely. They, they yes. We'll yep. talk about
2: it tomorrow a little bit, Joe, but I got opportunities then for you to make some money, uh, whether, whether it's the number three pick right. or who you believe may be the Chargers starting quarterback moving forward. A lot of new prop bets, yep. and I know we'll cover them the rest of the week here. On the early line.
1: Yeah, we got them for you guys. We'll uh we'll really start uh diving in. We'll get uh Lisey back in on the end of the week over here. We'll Dane and I will uh carefully uh, put together our mock draft here on the early line for the show. Sure. And then uh, we'll bring Lisey on, make fun of him as he can make fun of us for we'll it. Uh yes, you know, I've got the dolphins trading out to the third round, but that's all done. That's a uh that's a whole nother story. But uh we'll be here, our Jets, and we'll start uh we'll start doing uh you know what we've always done here. Help you make it rain here somewhere along the lines in the draft pick. So he's Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. Stay safe. Enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow morning.
0: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day.